Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, hello everyone. It is so good to be worshiping with you today, whether you're in your living room or listening out on a run or at one of our campuses. My name is Per Nielsen and I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you today. We're starting a sermon series on freedom and one of the great gifts of freedom for those who follow Jesus is the gift of giving, being able to freely give. Um, Jesus frees us from the trappings of this world, from the material world and invites us to give to his work and his kingdom. And one of the great blessings of giving is that as we give freely, we experience more freedom in our lives. If you consider Hosanna your church home, I really want to encourage you to step into freely giving of your tithes and offerings to support Hosanna's mission and vision to build the kingdom of God in this place. We've made it really easy for you to do. You can go to our website. You can download the app. And I encourage you to download the app anyway because there's all kinds of information you can access from the app. Or you can simply text Hosanna Give to 94000. You'll get a text message back with a link. Follow that link. It's really, really simple to do. So it is July 4th weekend, and it's actually the first time July 4th has landed on a Sunday since 2010, and it won't happen again until 2027. And so we thought this is a great time to celebrate the nature of freedom. Our prayer is that you're gathering with your family and your friends, and you're having those celebrations at your homes, but also that you would take the time to celebrate the freedom that you have been given in Jesus Christ. Freedom, man, isn't it an amazing, amazing gift? Just think about some of the times that you have experienced some level of freedom in your life. Maybe it's been that night before a big vacation. Or remember when you were a kid and, and you woke up early in the morning and you saw that it was a snow day and you had no school. Um, you've been with the kids all day long and your spouse comes home from work and, and you've got some free time to go for a run or get some errands done or maybe even go out with some friends. It's that early morning cup of coffee, 5.30 a.m. as you watch the sun rise over a calm lake. It's that ride down the road with the wind in your face on your Harley Davidson. Do you remember the first time you drove alone and the freedom that that afforded? And do you remember, I've experienced this a few times in my life, when the officer walked back up to you and handed you your license and gave you a verbal warning for going 60 in a 40. Whew. Freedom. Freedom. It's a part of our experience here in this country. July 4th marks the celebration of independence, of freedom. And, and frankly, we have lived ourselves in, in a culture, in a country where freedom is fundamental. Uh, because of that, we have learned about freedom in a variety of different ways. We here have here is a country charters of freedom, and those charters of freedom consist of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States of America, and the Bill of Rights. 
And those charters of freedom give us certain freedoms that we have grown up with. The freedom to speak freely. We, they have given us the freedom to assemble. The freedom for, for freedom of taxation without representation. The freedom from the tyranny of government. Those documents talk about these freedoms as being God-given. That they are self-evident truths. That all men are created equal and are bestowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now it's those documents that, that motivated Francis Scott Key to pen the words of the song that we have sung many, many times that contains this line, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Freedom. But what if I were to suggest to you that most of us don't really understand freedom? That most of us don't really grasp the concept of freedom, particularly freedom from a Christian perspective. What would you think about that? Just to stir your mind a little bit, just to, to start your heart moving around that question, around that comment, let me ask a couple of questions. Have you ever been in a position where someone else's freedom has impeded your freedom, maybe even your pursuit of happiness? Have, have you ever been in that position? Let's flip it around. Have you ever been in the position where your freedom has impeded, has thwarted, has kept somebody else from pursuing happiness, has kept somebody else from experiencing freedom? Now, let me ask this question. Is that the type of freedom we're talking about? Would we say that it is legitimate that one person's freedom can limit or even completely deny another person's freedom? Jesus says these words, that truth will set us free. And one of the truths that we have to wrestle with as a nation, as a country, is the reality that we have gone through seasons in the history of this country where the freedoms of some have limited and completely denied the freedoms of others. We have had slavery, and we have had a lack of voting ability, that lack of voting rights, and we have had segregation. We have even had some who have looked at humanity and said, yeah, not all people are created equal. And that understanding of freedom has led to gross forms of inhuman treatment and, and great division and, and ultimately war. And that's something that we need to address. That's one of the truths that we need to wrestle with in terms of our understanding of freedom. In fact, ultimately, those elements led to something called the Emancipation Proclamation and a celebration that we just had, a new national holiday called Juneteenth. Now, back to the question, is that the kind of freedom we're talking about? The freedom where one person's limit, freedom can put limits on another person. Is that the kind of freedom we're talking about when we sing, or the land of the free and the home of the brave? How about this type of freedom? Freedom where there are no guidelines, no directions, at an intersection where there is absolute chaos. Is that the kind of freedom we're talking about in the charters of freedom? 
where there are no directions, there are no guidelines at all, and absolute chaos ensues. I don't know about you, but that kind of freedom would drive me absolutely crazy. How about this type of freedom? The type of freedom that is just deeply, deeply individualized. Is that the type of freedom that our charters of freedom are talking about? The type of freedom that when taken to an extreme can become anarchy. Anarchy becomes chaos. If that was the type of freedom that we were talking about in the charters of freedom, frankly, the United States of America wouldn't exist, nor would much of the world. So what does this all tell us? What it tells us is that our understanding of freedom, our definition of freedom, when we talk about the charters of freedom, when we sing over the land of the free and the home of the brave, there is some substance to it. There is some dependence in it. There is a framework that houses it. We, we don't talk about a freedom that is completely independent. Our freedom is dependent on something. Our whole definition and understanding of freedom is dependent on something. If we go back to the Declaration of Independence, the Declaration of Independence said that we are independent from one thing, but that we are dependent or cleaving to another. We are independent from England, but we are dependent upon certain priorities, certain principles, certain understandings and ways of functioning. John Adams, uh, the first vice president of the United States, the second president of the United States, one of the drafters of the Declaration of Independence and one of the drafters of the Massachusetts Constitution that ultimately informed the creation of the United States Constitution, talks about this intersection between freedom and dependence from the perspective of the U.S. Constitution. And here's what he says. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So when we sing, or the land of the free and the home of the brave, we're talking about a type of freedom that is dependent upon certain moral convictions and a people who are willing to follow those moral convictions, who are willing to adhere to those moral convictions. But that begs a question. What happens if someone disregards those moral convictions because they're free to do so? What happens to our understanding of freedom then? If you've got a Bible with you, please open your Bible to the book of Romans in the sixth chapter. We're going to start at verse 20. The Apostle Paul says some remarkable things about the intersection between freedom and dependency, freedom and being bound in these next few verses. And we are beginning this series called Freedom Bound. And the reason we named it Freedom Bound is this. Number one, as Christians, we believe that we are bound for freedom. Freedom in this world and freedom in the next. But we also believe this to be true, that as Christians, we define freedom not by what we are separated from, but by who we are bound to. Let me just say that again. As Christians, we define freedom not by what we are separated from, but by who we are bound 
2. The Apostle Paul describes this beautifully in Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's take a look at verse 20. He begins this way. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. I love that the Apostle Paul begins this way because it suggests that there is a before and an after. He says, when you were this way, when you were this way, when you were enslaved to sin, you were this way. That points to the reality that the Christian and the non-Christian have differing worldviews. They have differing understandings of what it means to engage and live in freedom. The Apostle Paul then points out that, that for those who still are bound to sin, who still are enslaved to sin, who understand freedom from the perspective of sin, he says that there's really no limit on what you can do. You, you can just go and do what you want. You can party, you can hang out, you can, you can seek pleasure in whatever way you choose. It might feel free, says the Apostle Paul, but it's not really free. And to get at the reason why it's not really free, he then asks the question. So you were this way, you understood freedom in this way, but, but let's take a look at the result of that. Let's take a look at that result of that understanding of freedom, freedom bound to sin. And here's what he says. And what was the result? What's the result of living with an understanding of freedom that is bound to sin? What's the result of disregarding others? What's the result of living an individualized, selfish life? What's the result of dishonesty? What's the result of infidelity? What's the result of seeking after success to such a great degree that you push aside everyone else? What's the result of having such focus on the material world that you're willing to go after it with whatever it takes? What's the result of spending more money on one truck than you have ever given to help the poor? What's the result of such great independence that you disregard others? What's the result of not being willing to forgive your neighbor? What's the result of being so prideful that you're willing to go out online and disparage other people because of your self-righteous indignation? What's the result of this sense of independence that has come from a complete misrepresentation of freedom and the entitlement that regularly goes along with it. What's the result? I don't know about you, but as I even speak those words, I feel some sense of conviction in my heart. How about you? Do you feel a sense of conviction in your heart? I think every one of us can can acknowledge the fact that the misuse of freedom uh, creates chaos. It's destructive. We can see it on the news. We can read it in the headlines every single day. We recognize that it's just simply not good for us. The Apostle Paul then points to the consequence, to this consequence of, of the misuse of freedom. And here's what he says. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do things that end in eternal doom. This distortion of freedom brings about some consequence. 
and, and we recognize it. We see that it happens. We've had it, it happen to our own lives. We've experienced it personally. When someone else's freedoms have limited our freedom. And we've probably done it the other way as well. When our freedoms have limited somebody else's freedoms and we have felt some guilt about it. And, and frankly, if we haven't felt any guilt or remorse about it, we might have a diagnosis of sociopathology awaiting us. Or we are so bound to sin that we simply can't see that truth. And for individuals who are so bound to sin in that way, it feels like you're living free, but honestly, you couldn't be further from freedom. So for the Christian, we have this framework that helps us understand the consequence of misused freedom. And we recognize it. We we see it in the lives of other people. And, and our desire as we live like Jesus is to keep from going down that road, the destructive, chaotic road that being bound to sin can bring. And we know the reality of the eternal consequence. As the Apostle Paul puts it, if your freedom is bound to sin, you're also bound to eternal doom. Let that just sink in for a second. It's a very straightforward, hard thing to hear coming from the word of God, but it's important for us to take it in. Now, if you're listening to this message and, and you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want to speak encouragingly, graciously, lovingly into your heart. Because you may be experiencing right now some internal torment, some internal questions that have caused you to ask a, a sense of identity. Who am I? Why, why am I alive? Why am I here? You may be looking back at life and, and carrying a sense of regret. Uh, if you're listening and and you're going, um, you know, I, I've got some sense of guilt inside that, that I've been harboring for quite some time because I misused some freedom and caused some people pain. It caused them some anguish. Here's what I want to say to you. I want to say to you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, is speaking to you here and now today. That conviction that you feel is the spirit of the living God, the loving God speaking to you today. And the spirit of the living God, the loving God, is saying to you, there's a better way. There's a less burdensome way. There's a freer way. In the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about freedom from guilt. We're going to be talking about freedom from judgment. Um, we're going to be talking about freedom from offense. But whatever freedom we're talking about, it all begins with this. The spirit of the living God coming in to bring about a sense of conviction of sin. That is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, by the way. John 16, 8 says that the Holy Spirit brings about a conviction of sin in the hearts of those who are walking in sin. We want you to be free. We want you to be free. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings about a freer way of life. The Apostle Paul then takes this and moves it down the road. 
And this is where the gospel of Jesus Christ intersects with our misunderstanding, with our misuse of freedom, with this freedom that is bound to sin. Um, the Apostle Paul, the next words in this passage are but now, but now. So that's the way it used to be, but now. Because of what God has done, but now, but now. The Bible is filled with but now stories. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I walk. The Apostle Paul even tells of a but now story. I was the greatest of sinners, but God who had mercy on me. All of these but now, if you are in need of a but now story, I want you to listen very closely to what the Apostle Paul has to say. Here's what he says. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Being set free from the bondage of sin, being set free from this understanding of freedom that is distorted and not constructive doesn't happen magically. It happens when you are bound to the living God. It happens when you are connected to the God of the universe. Listen to these passages again. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. The Christian does not define freedom by what we are separated from, but by who we are bound to. And when we are bound to the living God, remarkable things start to take place. Now all of a sudden, our understanding of freedom comes from God's heart, God's desires, God's will, God's ways. And where can you find more freedom than being bound to the one who has eternity in his hands, who is omniscient in his knowledge, who has complete control over all time and all space and all being? The truth of the matter is, every understanding of freedom is bound to something. Every understanding of freedom is bound to something. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to separate your understanding of freedom from all of those other things and find the greatest freedom possible in the God of the universe and by being bound to him. And when you are bound to him, the Apostle Paul says, there are some blessings that come your direction. And the blessings are simply this, that you begin living a life that looks like Jesus and you have the promise of eternity in your heart. Let's continue. We're at verse 22. Now, remember he said, but now, this is the now time. Now you do those things that lead to holiness. In other words, a life that looks like Jesus and result in eternal life. This is an understanding of freedom that is bound to God. This is why Jesus came. Jesus revolutionized people's understanding of faith through his death and his resurrection of the cross. And in doing so, he revolutionized their understanding of freedom. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that from the time of Jesus until now, the church has had to go back and kind of recapture this understanding of freedom. One of those times occurred in the time of the Reformation, the 16th century, through a man by the name of Martin Luther, where freedom got grossly distorted because the church had come into a very unhealthy partnership with the government. And so Martin Luther wrote a little pamphlet called The Freedom of a Christian so that people like you and I could take this idea of freedom and apply it well to our lives. Here's what Martha, Martin Luther says in a portion of this treatise, Freedom of a Christian. He says, in order to point out an easier way for common folk, for I serve them, 
I am proposing two themes concerning the freedom and servitude of the Spirit. Here come these two important things. Take these into your heart. The Christian individual is a completely free Lord of all, subject to none. And the Christian individual is a completely dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Luther then continues, Although these topics appear to contradict one another, nevertheless, if they could be found to be in agreement, they will serve our purposes beautifully. For both are from the Apostle Paul when he says in 1 Corinthians 9, For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all. And in Romans 13, 8, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. But love by its very nature is dutiful and serves the one who is loved. The same was true of Christ, who, although Lord of all, was nevertheless born of a woman, born under the law, and who was at the same time free and a slave. That is, at the same time in the form of God and in the form of a slave. So what does this really mean for us? Three things. This is what it means for us. Number one goes back to the definition of freedom for the Christian. A Christian does not define our freedom by what we are separated from. We define freedom by who we are bound to. Secondly, as a Christian, we should never use our freedom as a stumbling block. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 8, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Third, the freedom of a Christian is manifested in service and sacrifice. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In Jesus, you are freed to love unconditionally and to serve sacrificially. That is the understanding of freedom that forms the ideology and even the theology of the charters of freedom that govern this country. It is uniquely Christian perspective. And it is true that if our understanding of freedom gets bound to sin, if it becomes all about me, division and strife and discord will occur. But what if we were to live the freedom that Jesus calls us to live? What if we were to live that freedom? What if we were to live that freedom bound to the heart of God? Frankly, friends, it would revolutionize how we live. It would revolutionize our relationships with our neighbors. And it would revolutionize the world. And what I can tell you is this. That living freedom from the perspective of Jesus is better than any night before a great vacation. It's better than any morning you've ever woken up and found a snow day where you didn't have to go to school. It's better than any early morning cup of coffee, looking over a calm lake. It's better than any ride on a Harley. It's better than any time you drove your vehicle for that very first time. It's better than any officer coming up to you, handing you your license and saying, here's a verbal warning for going 60 and a 40. And it's better because you can live it here and now today. And it carries the promise of eternity forever. And frankly, it puts you on a trajectory to be freedom-bound. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the gift of freedom that you have poured out through your Son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. 
And I pray that every person who is listening to this message would receive that gift of freedom by binding themselves to you through faith. I ask, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would work in our heart to convict us of the things that, that are breaking down a constructive understanding of freedom so that we as your people might be able to live freely in this world. And most importantly, Heavenly Father, may the freedom of Jesus be a part of our lives each and every day. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for worship, and I want to encourage you to check out the next series uh, that we have, and that next part of the series has to do with freedom from guilt and freedom from judgment and freedom from offense. It's going to be a great remaining series for the month of July. I want to thank you again for joining us and encourage you to check out the questions at the end of this segment. Um, they will push you deeper in terms of your understanding, your processing, what it means to live freely as a Christian. And now let me leave you with this blessing. Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with great favor and may he give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.